so we're not going to be looking. Uh, eventually, we'll get all the way through Daniel chapter 11 uh, and Daniel chapter 12. So don't worry, because it says up there, Daniel chapter 11, verse 2, all the way to 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 13, and there's like 45 verses in chapter 11. So don't panic. We're not going to... Uh, I could preach all the way through it if you want me to, but uh, uh, I don't know that uh, uh, many of you would still be awake if I did that. Uh, but Daniel chapter 11, we're just going to read one verse of Scripture tonight. Like I said, we're going to kind of change gears a little bit and take on more of a Sunday school lesson type um, uh, message uh, just because simply there's a lot of information. A lot of the stuff we're going to be looking at in these last two chapters, as through the book of Daniel, has already taken place. Uh, but we're going to be able to look at some historical events and probably some names maybe that you even heard in history class and school and stuff uh, that we can tie in with these. Uh, I love the book of Daniel. I, I get excited. I love these types of things. Uh, most of all because uh, we find these things in the Word of God that have come to pass just as God said they would, and we can look back and know that they've already happened, and uh, our faith and trust can grow in the Lord, and uh, we can be confident in God's Word. Amen? And uh, really, uh, for me, that's what's exciting about it. Uh, so, so go ahead and stand with me, if you will, in reverence to the Word of God. Uh, we've actually got down all the way to chapter 11, verse 1. We tied that in with last uh, lesson that we had. Uh, but I'm going to read verse 1 again just to kind of maybe re-familiarize ourselves. Remember, uh, Daniel had a vision. An angel had come uh, and uh, was helping uh, Daniel to understand this vision and uh, this is the angel still talking there in verse 1. Also in the first year of uh, Darius, the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. And we'll explain some things in a moment. And now will I shew thee the truth. Uh, behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all. And by his strength, uh, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Grecia. So we're going to be talking about the, the Babylonian Empire, which we've already talked about. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Medo-Persian Empire, not the Babylonian Empire, but the Medo-Persian Empire and also the Grecia Empire as well tonight and tie some things together. Uh, but again, I, I like what uh, the first part of verse 2 says, Now I will, shew thee, shew, I will shew thee the truth. And so Daniel, now remember, these things that we're talking about hadn't happened yet, okay? And so Daniel, he's looking forward to these things. Uh, and so the title is kind of a little catchy thing there. It's pre-written history, but it was going to be unfolded uh, to Daniel. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Father, we ask you to bless uh, the teaching and preaching of the Word of God tonight. And Lord, as we look at some things here uh, in this lesson, uh, Father, some very interesting things. Uh, Father, as I said a while ago, we know that our confidence uh, in the Word of God, uh, Father, is, is well put and, uh, Lord, that we can trust what your word says. And, uh, Father, that you control all that there is. And, uh, Lord, uh, just help us to understand some things. And, uh, Father, I know we live in a day and age where a lot of people are talking about end times. And, uh, Lord, uh, I don't know. I, I suppose, uh, uh, according to the Bible, I don't think there's anything biblically left to happen for you to return. Uh, certainly, it could happen at any moment. And we do look forward to that. And, uh, Lord, it just gives us great confidence to know that we can go to the Word of God and know some things uh, that have already happened and even some things that haven't happened yet. And uh, so, Lord, just help us to understand some things, draw closer to you in it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. So we're looking at pre-written uh, history unfolded part one. And our last look at the book of Daniel, we really, uh, I, I, it was a great lesson, I thought, because we looked at 
in detail about spiritual warfare. And if you remember, when Daniel began to pray, uh, understanding some things that were taking place, the, the children of Israel were going to be returning, uh, uh, I believe by that time had already returned uh, to uh, Jerusalem, to Judah, that is. Uh, and Daniel began to pray, and that, that prayer actually triggered what we call a, called a cosmic event. In other words, this caused a battle between the angels of God and the angels of Satan. And we spent a great deal of time talking about that in, in our last lesson here. Uh, then Darius, uh, uh, who would be king soon, uh, soon after, he comes in to pray, or to play, that is, or to power. And we read of Darius in chapter 6. We've already talked about him uh, as being, we remember he was the king when Daniel was tossed into the lion's den. We, we went over that chapter. And so King Darius, though, he is somewhat of a mystery. And what I mean by that, and I'm not clear on it all. There's some different uh, takes on this from a lot of good men. Uh, some believe, and I don't know that I'm in this camp, but some believe that Darius and Cyrus are are the same person. I don't know about that. Uh, secular history, uh, and just because secular history doesn't have it doesn't mean that it didn't happen, uh, doesn't really, as far as I know, doesn't have a record of his existence, but certainly that doesn't mean that he didn't exist. I'll take the Bible over any history book any day, amen. Uh, and, uh, uh, and maybe he might have been second command. We don't really know. I don't think it really changes anything either. Uh, but uh, So we're talking about uh, this that kind of puts us in a time period here of about 530 B.C., somewhere in there. And Daniel, uh, he needed to realize the scope of all that he was about to see uh, and had already seen. And, and so this angel is, is going to help him with that. Uh, and he'd already seen visions, if you remember, concerning the different world empires. Remember his vision of the beast, even King, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the, the, the image. And both of those visions, we're not going to get into all that again tonight, uh, both of those visions showing the different world uh, uh, empires. Uh, the Babylonian Empire had already passed on, and now it was the Medo-Persian Empire, and that took us all the way through, uh, uh, even up into the Tribulation period, and even the Antichrist. And we spent some time talking about that as well. And in chapter 10, Daniel sees the spiritual battle, and, and really he gets a, a glimpse of, of spiritual evil that stands against God, uh, as was mentioned by this angel, uh, that had gotten to Daniel. Uh, and so it is too. Now, we, we, we say this a lot, but we always need to be reminded that a lot of times we think about end times, we think about spiritual warfare, uh, we tend to kind of look at some of the things that are going on in America, and that's fine, you know, because that's where we live, and certainly we need to be aware of some things. But when it comes to end times, always keep your eye on Israel. Amen? Always keep your eye on Israel. Uh, because that's the key to to uh, a lot of these things that that we uh, are looking at, as far as the Book of Daniel and even Revelations and and end time stuff as well. Uh, and so uh, Daniel here he he sees these uh, again these he's already seen these world empire visions. Uh, he's already seen this spiritual battle, uh, and really this is uh, to me it's it's really once again, the Jews being under attack, not just from the world empires, but spiritually speaking. There was spiritual warfare going against the Jew. Uh, and I still believe that's going on uh, even uh, today. In other words, the Jew certainly has come under attack from Satan's forces. Uh, now, in Daniel's day, we understand the Messiah uh, hadn't come yet. And so uh, many believe that that the that Satan's look on this is if he could destroy the Jew. Remember all the way back in Genesis chapter three, 
uh, where the where God told the serpent that the seed of the woman would crush his head. Okay, and, and the devil knew what that meant. So if Satan could destroy the Jew, he could keep the Messiah from being born. Uh, of course, he has no way of accomplishing that. Amen. Matter of fact, we know the Messiah has been born and has come, and we praise the Lord for that. Uh, and even though Christ did come uh, and certainly has brought salvation uh, to the Jew, also the Gentile as well, we, we can still be sure that I believe that there are still evil forces, they're, they're still at work against the Jew, and even against us as well. Uh, you know, it, it's still going on. The spiritual warfare certainly hasn't slowed down since the time of Daniel. I believe it's still going on a lot today. And if we were able to peel back enough layers, uh, in other words, we see things going on, uh, some of the social issues we're dealing with, some of the political issues that we're dealing with, uh, you know, broken homes. I mean, just anything that you want to pick, if you're able to peel back enough layers, listen to me, if you're able to peel back enough layers, you would find Satan there at the at the beginning of it. In other words, these are spiritual battles, Ephesians 6.12. So it's always really the things that we struggle with always have their roots uh, in a spiritual battle. And so these things have been going on uh, for, for many since the time of man uh, and still go on even uh, even today. Now, Scripture shows that there's a lot of attempts made by Satan to stop God's plan for the Jews. And again, we always need to remember that's how we understand these types of things. Prophecy in times is by really looking at uh, uh, the uh, the Jewish nation, Israel, if you will. Uh, and, and and certainly we read there in chapter 11 how uh, the angel there strengthened uh, Darius. Uh, we understand that Darius would be used in a mighty and powerful way to, to help Israel. So it wasn't really about Darius, but about Israel. Uh, but also we might think about the book of Esther. Um, uh, we read how, remember, wicked Haman uh, wanted to destroy the Jews from existence, wanted to completely wipe them out. Uh, now, that would, be, that would come a little later, about 50 years after uh, the Jews were allowed to return to Judah. Uh, this would have been during the uh, reign of King Ahasuerus, or we might know him as King Xerxes. Uh, but remember what we read all the way back in Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, Remember this, but the, look there, what it says, says, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, we know that to be an evil angel, a demon, withstood me, that is the angel of God, uh, uh, and 20 days, but lo, Michael, another uh, of God's mighty angels, uh, and Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. And so, again, I believe some of these uh, exact types of things are going on today, uh, and then in verse 20, the angel still talking about that in verse 20 of Daniel chapter 10 says, Then said he, Knowest thou uh, wherefore I am come unto thee, and now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. Uh, and when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. And that's our, we're going to be talking about the Medo-Persian empire. We're going to be talking about the Grecian empire uh, as well. But we notice that God's angels uh, are in the thick of this fight with the angels uh, of Satan. Uh, and the angels there, he's saying, I'm going to return to that fight. I'm going to continue to battle until another e- evil angel, that is the prince of Grecia, comes. And so uh, this was a battle that was going to be ongoing. And so this, mean God, this means that God had his, his angel fighting for the Jew, uh, even you know, as we have an example of that, I believe, in, in the days of Esther as well, if you know that story. So we know the demonic prince, if you will, of Grecia, that demon, uh, 
historically takes us to the time of Antiochus Epiphanes, and, and we've studied him. We're going to look at him again next week, but arguably probably the worst persecutor of all time, that is, as uh, far as a human being can go, of all time to the Jew. And so, so again, these are some things that, you know, we may think of the Holocaust and those types of things, uh, but the Jew has been going through these things for, for centuries. And believe you me, the devil is behind it all. Uh, and we need to understand that. Now, of course, we live in the day and age of grace. In other words, uh, Daniel and many others in the Old Testament, they look forward to the coming of Christ as a babe. In other words, the coming of Messiah. Uh, but we get to look back. Amen? We look back toward the cross. They look forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. Some 2,000 years ago, we know that the Messiah did indeed come. Amen? Not necessarily the way the Jew had hoped, uh, but certainly just the way the Bible said that he would. Uh, and so our Bible in history reveals mostly what can be seen in a battle. In other words, we read, we think of David and many others, uh, the physical battle as far as what, when, when men would clash and they would fight. But again, we know too there's also been spiritual battles fought uh, as, as well. And we spent a, a great deal of our lesson last time looking at that. Angelic forces uh, have been used by God on behalf of the Jew, and I still believe that goes on today. And we can be sure that these same types of things uh, today, I believe, go on for all of God's people. And, and I believe there's just things happening in a, I don't want to be sound weird here, but in a realm that we realize not. We have no way of understanding the things uh, that could be going on around us at any given time. And so now we come to the vision. Now, as mentioned, Daniel uh, has been exposed to this already. Uh, but but not as much in detail. In other words, we're, we're still kind of peeling back some layers. And uh, most, as I said, most of what we have studied surely has come to pass. It is now history, but in Daniel's day, it was still yet to come in future, many centuries uh, before or after uh, Daniel would die. But he was getting a glimpse of these things. And so the verses ahead of us, though, are very accurate. And, and this is what I like. I, they're, 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 they're very uh, accurate uh, so accurate that really the, the skeptics of God's Word, uh, they don't really have any way around them. In other words, if, 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 uh, if they believe that they were written uh, historically, uh, you know, around 530, or when these things happen, actually at 530, in other words, Daniel, Daniel's time, uh, they, they would have a hard time explaining that away. So, so what they say is, is they say, well, this really, this, this Daniel guy didn't exist. In other words, uh, uh, somebody down the line after these things happened went back in and, and, you know, and filled in the gaps after, you know, after the fact. But we don't believe that to be true at all. Uh, we believe that uh, God's Bible is accurate. Uh, and even uh, in this case, it does line up with a lot of secular history, which I think is kind of neat. Uh, but certainly, uh, you know, the enemy doesn't like that. Uh, but a wise person uh, sees these verses. Again, for me, I'm reassured of God's promise uh, that we can believe uh, that what God says will happen will indeed happen. Amen? Uh, in other words, when we look at this, just as he told Daniel these things would happen, and they did happen, and we're going to talk about them, uh, God has also told us today that there's going to be some things that are still yet to happen, and we can believe it. Amen? We can believe it, just as Daniel believed it. Uh, in his day. And so we're going to really look at four, we're just going to call four prophecies, if you will, and get down to verse 20. And uh, so first of all, let's talk about 
of the rulers of the Persian Empire, verse 2. I know we read it, but I want to read it again. So it says, and now will I shew thee. Now remember, he's talking uh, to uh, the, the, he's talking to uh, the time of, of Darius, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire. They defeated the Babylonian Empire. In verse 2, and now will I shew thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all, and by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Grecia. And this really gets the ball rolling on some things. And so what this is saying, that after uh, Darius, there would be three kings that would come after. And that third one would be the most powerful and rich, uh, and, and really the only one that we find in Scripture. The other two are known in history, I don't remember their names, uh, but they didn't really do much. But we know this to be this third king that would come into power uh, uh, long after Darius was in power would be King uh, Hazarus, or we might know him as King Xerxes. Uh, he would be the king who, we talked about Esther, he would be the king that married Esther. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, and, of course, we remember uh, Haman and those types of things too. Now, in our study of, of Daniel's vision of the beast. Uh, we learn how that uh, that final king of Persia would attack the Grecian Empire. And if you remember, we studied that. That would stir up uh, Alexander the Great, which was a big mistake for the Medo-Persian Empire uh, when that happened. Uh, they, they didn't last long uh, after that. And so we see that there, and then in verse 3, we see verse 2 there, going to stir up the uh, all against the realm of Grecia. That would be Greece. And now we look at verses 3 and 4. Now we're talking about Greece. We're talking about Alexander the Great. Uh, and it says, And a mighty king shall stand up that shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. And when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken. We, we know the history of Alexander the Great. Many consider him the greatest uh, uh, general, uh, you know, battle uh, general to exist. Uh, but he, you know, he didn't last long. Uh, and certainly the Bible reveals that. Now remember, this hadn't happened yet. This was many centuries ahead in time from the time of Daniel. And when he, and when he still talked about uh, Alexander the Great shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven uh, and not to his posterity. In other words, it didn't really uh, help his legacy, if you will, nor according to his dominion which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be plucked up even for others beside those. Uh, and again, we, we've talked about Alexander the Great already. Um, he would go on to defeat the Persian Empire. Uh, and so now at this, this time in Scripture, the Grecian Empire is the world Gentile power, if you will, ruler of the world. But we know that Alexander the Great would die at a young age, and his kingdom would be divided up among four generals. And that's what that's talking about in verse 4. We've talked about this in some other verses as well. Uh, and so we notice there, though, two of these kings, uh, generals, if you will, uh, two of them we don't know much about, but we see there uh, the mention of the king of the south and the king of the north. Look at verse 5 and 6. So Alexander moves off. His generals uh, divide up the kingdom in four ways, but we're going to focus in on the, the general of the north and the general of the south. Verse 5, and the king of the south shall be strong. And one of his, by the way, that would be down in Egypt. Uh, and uh, uh, it says, And the king of the south shall be strong, and one of his princes, and he shall be strong above him, and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion. And in the end of the years they shall join themselves together, for the king's daughter of the south shall come to the king of the north. So now we're talking about the kingdom of the north, still the Grecian Empire, uh, to make an agreement 
but she shall uh, not retain the power of the arm, neither shall he stand, uh, nor his arm, but she uh, shall be given up, and they that brought her, uh, and he that begat her, and he that strengthened her in these times. Now, I'm not going to uh, read uh, all of the, the scriptures there, but actually, beginning with verse 5 all the way down into verse 12, we see this this game, I guess you will, political struggle. Now, again, the other two kings didn't play much of a role in the history of the Jew, but you have the, the king of the north, which would be what we know today as Judah, uh, uh, actually Syria. Uh, he reigned in Syria. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Seleucus, I think, something like that, uh, C. Lucas. Uh, and then also Ptolemy would be down in the south. And so you have the kings uh, of Syria up north. You have the king down there, all Grecian empire, down in Egypt. And guess who's right in the middle? Israel. Jerusalem. And so they're, they're caught in this. And they would suffer greatly. And history shows this. Uh, and, uh, and, and a lot of suffering that, that went on. It had a huge impact on the Jew. And then in verses 6 through 12, we're not going to read it tonight just because it's kind of wordy and, and, uh, uh, just, I just want to explain it a little bit better so we can move on. But it actually explains, and we already kind of got into it in verse 6, it actually explains a power struggle between the two empires. In other words, the empire there of Egypt, the empire of Syria. There would be allegiances through marriages. Uh, there would be relatives killing relatives. And, uh, and, uh, and again, uh, different ones gaining control than being assassinated. Uh, a lot of things there, and a lot of history uh, shows us this. Uh, the two empires, it, they were they were struggling against each other. There was all this you know conflict between them, but they also had conflicts going within their own empire as well. So they were fighting enemies from within. They were fighting enemies without. Both of them were in this struggle. It was just really a time of, of turmoil. And again, the Jew was suffering greatly because of this uh, as well. And so, uh, again, now during this time, history reveals, and the Bible alludes to it here, that the southern nation there down in Egypt uh, was stronger than the Syrian up north for a while. For a while, but then that changes. And we see that change as we drop down uh, to verse 13. Let's look at that. It says, For the king of the north shall return and shall set forth a multitude greater than the former, uh, and shall certainly come after certain years with a great army and with much riches. And then verse 14, And in those times there shall many stand up against the king of the south. Also the robbers of thy people shall exalt themselves to establish a vision, uh, but they shall fall. And so now we go into really the fourth part of, of this prophecy as we see these uh, uh, power struggles. Now we're talking about that northern, or what we would call the Syrian uh, remember, still Greek, but Syrian Greek dominance, but also we see uh, their fall. And so, again, all of these shifts of power would affect the Jew greatly. Uh, and uh, now we've, we've looked at uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. We'll be looking at him again next week. But there, there have also been other Greek leaders before him that used that name uh, uh, Antiochus before him. Uh, one was known as Antiochus the Great. Now, if we go back to where we were at in verse 2, verse 1 and 2, well, we're going to put that around 530 B.C. But by the time we get to verse 13, um, uh, we're about 200 B.C. And so we're looking at uh, a few centuries here, uh, 330 years that have passed 
uh, since that time. Now, remember, Daniel's looking forward to this. These things had not happened yet, okay? Now, again, we understand we can look back in history. Even secular history uh, will verify these things. Uh, and so, verses 15 through 16 are actually talking about Antiochus the Great, not Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, but look at verses 15 and 16. So the king of the north shall come and cast up a mount and take most of the fenced cities. So we have the Syrian king coming down to invade the Egyptian king uh, and take most of the fenced cities, and the arms of the south shall not withstand, uh, neither his chosen people, neither shall there be any strength to withstand. But he that cometh against him shall do according to his own will, and none shall stand before him, and he shall stand in the glorious land, notice that glorious land, uh, which by his hand shall be consumed. And so this is another important uh, uh, verse of Scripture. Again, this is speaking about Antiochus the Great. He conquers Egypt, uh, but we also, again, notice Israel in the middle of this. That's what the glorious land is. That's talking about Israel. That's talking about uh, the promised land. Uh, Judah, Israel, uh, once again, the Jews suffering during all this. Now, what's interesting about this Antiochus the Great is that Antiochus had a daughter. Now, at this time of the Scripture, she was just a little girl. And her name was uh, Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But uh, Cleopatra, okay? Uh, you know, Elizabeth Taylor played Cleopatra. So, so in the... <laughs> That was pretty funny, you've got to admit. Uh, everybody went, what? <laughs> Some of you woke up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so uh, Cleopatra, you know, we, we know about Cleopatra, right? I mean, she really existed. Uh, and we find a reference of her uh, uh, in this uh, as well. And so uh, he would uh, marry her off. Look at verse 17 again. He says, he shall uh, also set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom and upright ones with him, thus shall he do, and he shall give him the daughter of women, and this is a reference to Cleopatra, corrupting her, uh, but she shall not stand on his side, neither before him. And if you know the story, and the movie doesn't exactly portray it exactly how it happened, uh, but uh, uh, he would marry her off only just as a part of a, treater, of a treater, treaty with the ruler of Egypt. In other words, the king of the north, he's just trying to, to get his filthy paws on the, 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 the southern kingdom there. He's, it's all a play for power. Uh, and so he, he marries off his daughter uh, in order to do that, uh, which didn't end well for him because she would turn against her dad. And that's what verse 17 is talking about. Uh, she, she decided she wasn't going to help him. And basically, from what I understand, he basically just kind of gives up on Egypt. He just says he just kind of walks away from it. Uh, and eventually, Antiochus the Great, that is, not Epiphanes, he would begin to look westward. Uh, and uh, this would kind of be the beginning of the end of the Grecian Empire. We notice there, verses 18, he says, After this, uh, Antiochus the Great, uh, he hasn't got accomplished what he wanted to do uh, in the, uh, the Egyptian kingdom. He says, after this, he shall he turn his face unto the isles and shall take many, uh, but a prince for his own... I'm sorry. Verse 18. After this, shall he turn his face unto the isles and shall take many, but a prince for his own behalf shall cause the reproach offered by him to cease. Uh, without his own reproach, he shall cause it to turn upon him. Then he shall turn his face toward the fort uh, of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. And so what we're talking about here is really the, the fall of Antiochus uh, the Great. 
He looks westward. Uh, he would eventually come head-to-head with Rome. And if you remember our study on the four beasts, the study of the image, we have the Babylonian Empire. That had already happened. We have the Medo-Persian Empire. That was the time of Daniel, the end of Dan- toward the end of Daniel's uh, life. Uh, we have also, we've talked about the Grecian Empire. After the Grecian Empire would come the Roman Empire. So we're taking some pretty big steps down through history here uh, as we continue on with this. Uh, and uh, he would come head-to-head with Rome, uh, and we know even history tells us that uh, that did not work out at all. He was soundly defeated. Uh, Rome didn't rise to power necessarily at that time, but it certainly was the beginning of the end. Uh, Antiochus the Great uh, would be killed. Again, verse 19, he was not found. Uh, we know, too, that a, a son of his, not Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, but another uh, son of his would gain power for a very short period of time. Look at verse 20. Then shall stand up in his uh, estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom, but within few days he shall be destroyed, neither in anger nor in battle. And so we know that uh, this uh, individual, uh, because they were defeated by Rome, they were under heavy tribute to Rome. Uh, again, they're having to pay those taxes. Uh, in other words, all of those in that, that, that realm that he had would also be taxed as well. Guess who was in his realm? Israel. Israel uh, would also be heavily attacked, uh, but we see there that he uh, didn't last long. Uh, he uh, uh, wasn't killed in battle, but he was assassinated. He was assassinated. Now, it's important to understand, and, and I'm, I'm going to stop there for tonight as far as going through the Scriptures, uh, and this takes us, and we'll start uh, back with verse 21 uh, next week, and that'll take us uh, to uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, and we'll get through verses 21 through 35. Now, we've already looked at him, if you remember, uh, and how he typifies the Antichrist that we read about in the book of Revelations after the church is raptured, probably typifies him like no other ever has. And we talked about him pretty much, but we're going to look at some more things in detail concerning him if you want to read ahead and study those verses next week as we continue to explore this final vision of Daniel. Again, pre-written history unfolded. Now, let's just tie some things together, and we'll be done tonight. We might get done a little early. Now, you know, by the time we get to the end of that fourth prophecy, again, verse 20, you know, we go all the way back to chapter 11, verse 1, down to to verse 20. Now we're in about the 175 B.C. era. So a lot of things have happened in that short passage of Scripture. And these things have been historically proven. It's been confirmed in history. certainly fits Scripture perfectly, I would say, but was seen by Daniel before it ever happened. It was unfolded for Daniel. And I don't know about you, uh, you know, I know not everybody's into these types of things, but to me the details are amazing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing uh, how well these things fit. Uh, and, and really, we just kind of scratched the surface. Uh, there's a lot more uh, that uh, you could look at as well. But again, this all shows us, you know, what I want you to get from this tonight. I certainly want you to understand these things and, and the history is certainly interesting. But I want you to understand that we can trust the Bible tonight. You know, we were talking uh, today with uh, the Scott family as we had some lunch together, and we were talking about different things, about music, and, and also but the Bible, the Word of God. You know, around 1900, late 1800s, the Word of God came under attack. It came under attack. You say, what do you mean? Well, where do you think all these different versions of the Bible have come from? You know? And again, what have I been saying tonight? These are all spiritual attacks. 
you know, hey, listen, the devil wants to undermine the Word of God. But he's not going to come and say, hey, don't trust the Bible, the Bible ain't no good. No, what he's going to do is he's going to kind of play around with it. He's going to tweak it a little bit. He's going to take the Word of God, and he's going to take those, those uh, words, or what we might call pronouns, that, that, that have a lot of meaning. He's going to take those out. Just read your NIV someday. Actually, don't. That was bad advice. Forget I said that. But what I'm trying to get you to understand, there's things in there that take away from the deity of Christ. Where do you think that came from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the devil. Listen, he doesn't let up. He doesn't stop. Okay? Uh, and, and the same thing still goes on today. But we can understand that we do have a written word of God. God promised us that his word would never fail. Okay? And so we believe that has come down through the King James Version Bible. Amen? And so we can trust what the Bible says. Now let's turn to a couple places, and then we'll be done. All right, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Just want to encourage you with some things tonight. Matthew chapter 5. See what Jesus says here about the Word. About the Word of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 18. Of course, we have here the Sermon on the Mount. It says here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, Jesus says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. What God says will happen, will happen. Amen. Luke chapter 21. Similar passage, but I think it bears reading. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke 21, 33. Luke 21, 33. Again, we see Jesus speaking. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So God has promised that there will always be a word, there will always be a written word that man can turn to and to trust. You can't have, you know, listen, you can't have many different ones. Amen. You gotta have, you gotta have the one that he has promised. And uh, so the Bible tonight, the King James Bible that I hope you have is trustworthy. Uh, and when I look at these things like we looked at tonight, uh, it just gives more confidence, uh, in the word of God for me. And so I hope that that'll be a blessing to you. So I'm going to ask our pianist to come, uh, Miss Mary, if you would. The rest of us are going to stand. Let's have a word of prayer. And there's a lot of different things that we could think about tonight that we could take away from this. Again, I you know, just don't want to give you a little history lesson, although I thought it was uh, neat. Uh, but uh, any time we open the Word of God, it ought to leave us a certain way. In other words, there's some things that we need to think about. And again, what is your attitude towards the Bible tonight? You know, what is it towards the Word of God? Uh, do you study the Word of God? Do you meditate on the Word of God? Um, uh, everything in here is important. You know, I know this isn't uh, a typical message that your preacher preaches, and, and I know maybe sometimes it sounded more like a, a school lesson or so what. But hey, listen here. I found out a long time ago that my mood or, or my attitude to certain parts of the Scripture doesn't take away from the importance of Scripture. And, you know, we're all different. Sometimes Scripture is a little more palatable. In other words, some of it's fun to read, isn't it? Some of it's exciting to read. Some of it's not exciting to read. Uh, but God put it in there. And we're to study it, and as your preacher, I'm to preach it. Amen? And there's a reason for that. And so just ask God to speak to your heart tonight about the Word of God and the trustworthiness of it. Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for the blessings of life. We thank you for your 
love, your mercy, and your grace. And we do thank you that we can hold in our hand, we can take our Bibles and hold in our hand the very words of God. And Father, as we read these things that happened many, many years ago, many years ago, 2,500 years ago, and Father, looking forward from that time, many of those things that we talked about have come to pass just exactly as you said they would. And Father, we want to praise you for that tonight. And so, Father, I hope and pray if there's any of us here tonight that's doubting the Word of God, that's doubting you, maybe they're not saved tonight, that they would understand that we have a, we have a sure word, a prophecy that we can hold in our hands. And so, Father, if there's anyone here tonight that's not saved, help them to come forward and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Help that believer that might struggle with some things as we, you know, we look into this world that we live in today. I know sometimes we can doubt that the Word of God can really give us what we need in this day and age that we live in, but it can, just as we looked at this morning. So, Father, help us, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. The invitation.